This morning I'd like to speak a little bit about working with thoughts as an object of mindfulness, of how we <laughs> relate to thoughts mindfully in our meditation practice. The foundational understanding <clears throat> is that the fact that thoughts are arising or are appearing in the mind is not a problem. That's just an activity of the mind to think. So the practice is to become more and more mindful of the fact that thinking is happening, the experience of thinking happening, rather than the more frequent pattern of being lost in thought and carried away in thought and not knowing that thinking is going on. So it's really important to set that understanding in the mind clearly because so often people come to meditation with the belief or the idea that it means we're not supposed to think and then it simply becomes <coughs> a source of great frustration. There may be times when there are more or less thoughts happening. There can be times when very few thoughts are appearing but the fact that thoughts arise that's not, uh, that's not a problem for practice. We really want to strengthen our ability to be aware of this object when it appears. So there are many ways and, and levels on which we can practice this. One, one way of undertaking the practice of mindfulness of thoughts is to pay attention and see if you can recognize the predominant uh, themes that come again and again. So for example, you may notice over time that you have a lot of planning thoughts or judging thoughts. Maybe there's thoughts about your family or about your work. So we used to suggest people make the note, you know, work tape, family tape, whatever. But then it was pointed out that people really don't use tapes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this, is, this is a holdover from the old days. <laughs> so you can still use the, the term if it's helpful, but if you can find some other, uh, maybe, maybe track. <laughs> the work track. <laughs> but if you can recognize the familiar patterns and make a note specific to that pattern, you know, and as you're practicing, it's as if you're keeping an eye out, an, an inner mental eye out for the arising of that particular pattern. Uh, it will help you uh, be aware of it earlier on. You know, it's like you're, you're setting the radar out for the arising of the work thoughts, or the family thoughts, or the future, whatever it may be. So recognizing the particular pattern, creating some kind of mental note or mental label, very simple, you know, where you can tag it as it arises, having set the intention in the mind to really uh, keep an eye out for it. I think you'll find <coughs> over time that you can get quite adept at picking them up closer to the beginning.
be very attentive to the tone of voice of whatever note you're making. Because for this to be effective, for us really to develop some wisdom with regard to the thinking process, we need to be aware of the fact that thought is there without aversion, without judgment, without the attitude that it shouldn't be there. It's simply the bare recognition. Oh, this is arising, this is arising. So the tone of voice of the note will reveal whether there's some unconscious attitude in the mind. If you find yourself noting with a harsh, aversive tone, that's a signal, that's a feedback, that there is that attitude in the mind, and that can be changed in quite a remarkable way, simply by changing the tone of the note. And all of this is in the mind. Uh, if you soften, oh, thinking, 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 or planning, whatever it is. So that's something to particularly pay attention to, the attitude in the mind with regard to the fact that the thought is there. And see if you can just come to that place of simple recognition. So that's one arena of being aware of thought. With the random thoughts that don't particularly fit into any particular theme, uh, the simple note of thinking will do. And don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out, oh, is it this, is it this theme, is it that theme? If it, th if it doesn't come in the moment, you know, just thinking, thinking. Then notice what happens as you become aware that you're thinking or as you become mindful of it, and perhaps are noting it, what happens to the thought. And it's not that anything in particular should happen, it's just to notice what actually does happen. Does the thought disappear? Does it continue? Does it fade out? Again, it's, it's just a way of becoming mindful of the process that is happening. We're not trying to make anything particular happen. <clears throat> the whole task in this exercise is to refine the ability to be aware of thought as it's happening, in whatever way it does. A couple of other um, ways of practicing with thought. You know, the reason that we give so much emphasis to this particular aspect of mindfulness is that the phenomenon of thought, of thinking, is such a interesting and powerful part of our lives. And I think we've all had the experience <coughs> that when we're not aware that thinking is going on, Thoughts have tremendous power. They're like little dictators in the mind. We're lost in them. They're influencing our whole mental state. They're motivating us to act in one way or another. You know, the thoughts go here, go there, do this, do that. And we're just like slaves of thoughts. And yet, when we are aware of thinking, and we're really being mindful and see it arising <coughs> and passing in the mind, 
we see that thought in its very nature is completely empty. It's they're transparent, they're so ephemeral. It's just this little blip of energy that arises. A thought is really little more than nothing when we're looking at it directly. So the more awareness we bring to it and the more wisdom we develop with regard to thought as a phenomenon, they begin to lose so much of their power and (coughs) it gives us the ability to exercise much greater discernment about what thoughts to follow, what thoughts to act upon, what thoughts to simply let go, uh, our mind gets a lot more peaceful. So one way of uh, developing this keen insight into the very nature of thought, so on this level it's not so much about the content or recognizing what particular Uh, tracks or tapes, you know, the thought is on. But on this level, as we're aware that thoughts are there, it's as if we're holding the question in the mind, what is a thought? Not what is it saying, but what is it as a phenomenon? So when there's a lot of thought activity, (coughs) instead of being in struggle with that or frustrated about that, that's a particularly good time to hold this question. What is a thought? Because they're presenting themselves and perhaps they're presenting themselves frequently. So it's giving us an opportunity whenever we become aware that thinking is going on, it's, okay, what is it? And we ask the question or hold the question not for an answer. It's really just as a way of directing the mind or reminding ourselves just to look very carefully, what is it as a phenomenon? And it's in that uh, regard that we can see for ourselves, not theoretically, we're seeing in our direct experience, just how empty of substance a thought is. We see how ephemeral it is. And so it begins, thought as a, as a process, begins to lose its stranglehold on the mind. And <coughs> we can learn, as Suzuki Roshi said uh, in his book, don't be bothered by your thoughts. Let them come and let them go. The thoughts are not a problem when we understand their empty nature. It's just that we have been conditioned for so long to be seduced by their content. You know, and the content can be (coughs) about past, about future, about self-judgment, self-doubt, projections about other people, just a whole range, our whole world is created in the content of our thoughts. Number one, we want to recognize the predominant patterns of the content as a way of reinforcing our ability to be aware closer to the beginning. And we also want to (coughs) look directly at the nature of thought itself, where the content is irrelevant. Okay, one last (coughs) little exercise that you can do that I found really helpful. And this is particularly in the walking, but 
can be applied in the sitting as well. (coughs) There are very many quickly passing light thoughts that pass through the mind. And I've, I've noticed this particularly as I'm doing, you know, walking or moving about, just in general activity. You know, we were pretty attentive to what we're doing. We may be pretty attentive to the movement or the activity. And then just these light thoughts, you know, very quick, they're not disturbing. They don't really seem to interfere with the momentum of our mindfulness. They're just flitting across the mind. One of the things that I began to notice in the practice is that even though they didn't feel particularly disturbing, they were just a most of those thoughts, in one way or another, were self-referential. You know, they might have been thoughts about the past or future, or thoughts, something I was going to do. Nothing dramatic, no big emotion connected with them. But somehow constellated around a sense of self. As I began to pay more attention, just just to these really light, quick flits of thought, I saw that when we're unaware of them, even though they don't feel very disturbing, they are creating a certain inner environment of the mind. You know, we're creating a a mental field in which we're living. You know, in each of those thoughts, and it's often around some some sense of self in one way or another. If you make a point of again in the walking or moving about, and in the sitting too, with the, with these very quick thoughts, if you just set the intention, okay, let me try to be aware. You know, just sh- you know, as they pass through. In this practice, we're actually using thought as a vehicle for refining our mindfulness. Now, because they're very light and they're very quick, to be aware of them, we have to be pretty attentive. You know, we have to, even as we're with the body or the breath or sounds or whatever else, we're also staying sensitized to this phenomena of the quick thoughts. So the mindfulness gets even clearer, you know, and we begin to understand the more subtle uh, movements and conditionings of the mind. Okay, with all of this, you know, all of these different ways of just understanding a thought, Find the balance of not making a big project of it all, but just taking interest. You know, this is, it, it, it's a completely interesting aspect of our lives and an aspect that has tremendous consequences for our inner well-being or our inner suffering. So it's, it's a tremendously rich arena to pay attention to. But do it from a place of just interest and investigation and 
have fun with it rather than this become just some other burdensome thing you have to do. Uh, okay. <laughs> have fun or else. <laughs> so settle back. And whatever way you do, kind of settle into the awareness just of the body sitting. If it's helpful using that phrase, there's a body, just as a way of connecting, of settling, of creating that frame in which you can be aware of whatever else is appearing. Felt sense of the body and then you might be aware of sounds. Might be aware of the sensations of the body breathing. No one doing anything. Aware of changing sensations, aware of the hindrances as they arise. And aware of thoughts in all the ways I mentioned.
Do you have any questions about either working with thoughts or other aspects of your practice? It's great. It's just the fact that you could observe that clearly, you know, and that that's what's happening is really just a, an indication of increasingly clear mindfulness, that you're really watching the process of your mind. Uh, I would play both ways. You know, just you want to have that sense of exploring for yourself. Okay, if I do it this way, what happens? Right? Is this more conducive to increased mindfulness and ease? If I do it this way, what happens? But the fact that you're mindful of that choice, you know, and you see, that's, that's how I would approach it, rather than think there's a right way or a wrong way. Uh, yeah, and then you're just exploring the dynamics of your mind. Uh, and thoughts, the thoughts are just so interesting. <laughs> This is just another little example. You know, I've seen it a lot with thoughts of desire, a little quickly passing thought of desire for something. You know, cup of tea. You're walking and cup of tea, nah. Cup of tea, nah. (laughs) Cup of tea, cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) I've just seen it so often. It's like a little tiny thought. But you know how a blade of grass can grow up through cement? <laughs> so, so some of these thoughts, even though they're very, the, the tip of them are very light, <laughs> the energy behind them is like a deep root <laughs> you know, of desire or whatever, whatever it may be. So it's just, it's just learning about the mind. There's a general answer to the question, and then a more uh, something else. <laughs> the general answer to the question of why should we decide to do one thing rather than another, right? not specifically about an artistic creative idea, but this has general application in our lives, is we really want to understand the motivation associated with the impulse to act. Is the motivation wholesome or unwholesome? Is it motivated by greed, you know, by aversion, by ignorance, by generosity, love, compassion? You know? So looking at the motivation, this is in general, 
you know, thoughts come or ideas come and they're suggesting a certain course of action, okay, is the motivation wholesome or unwholesome? You know, and that, that's uh, a very, uh, an essential framework for us to bring into our practice. And this, this really has to do with understanding the ethical dimensions of mindfulness. Not that the, in terms of the creative process where it may not be, you know, but nothing particularly unwholesome about acting on it, but as you say, it's outside of the matrix of the logical framework. And to me that, that is at least one aspect of what makes the creative process creative. You know, that, that somehow the mind has an intuition that's outside of the box. And a lot of... I was just reading this morning. And, uh, it was an article about uh, how there have been many scientific breakthroughs uh, of scientists resolving an issue in dreams. Right? Because in their waking state, they were within a framework, but the solution actually was something outside of that framework. So I, would, I, I wouldn't make the fact that it's outside of the box a reason for hesitating if, the, if that ethical foundation is there. Then it just seems to me that is the process of creativity. Choosing an awareness, not thought. Um, the, aware, the awareness itself is not a thought. The, the awareness is just that knowing capacity that knows that we're knowing. You know, that, that's the, that's the uh, quality of mindfulness. The choice also is not a thought. The choice is a function of the mind inclining it this way or that way, but the choice is very often conditioned by a thought process. You know, and so you might come to a conclusion, go here rather than go there. Right? So that choice, that choice is a, I call it the command moment in the mind. It actually, it initiates the action, right? It gets us to do something. But that choice is very often, uh, we come to that choice very often through a thought process. You know, and just as an example, is this wholesome, is it not wholesome? What is this motivator? And so that's, that's all a thinking process. But then the actual initiation of the act is not in itself a thought. Um, so I don't know that clarified. You know, a lot of these questions you can really answer for yourselves. Because how do you find out? You look. You know, as you're watching all of these different manifestations of life, of our mind and body, and how it acts and responds, and there's a lot that 
you know, before we bring a careful attention to the process, we don't know how things are happening. We're just kind of on automatic pilot in our lives and we're doing this and that and we're not aware of the whole process behind it. The beauty of the retreat is you can bring that level, you know, that, that more subtle level of attention. Oh, how, how does this happen? You know, is choice a thought or not a thought? You know, and so you take these questions as a, as a uh, motive to look more carefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really a question of um, kind of setting a certain intention in the mind, and you might do it at first for a limited period of time, just to give yourself a, a framework for undertaking that particular refinement. So, for example, if you're doing walking meditation, or you're just moving about, you know, in transition times you might have the intention, okay, for the next 10 minutes, uh, I'm going to really, as I say, keep the radar out, you know, for being aware of the the flitting. And that's all, that's really all, all it takes. And you'll miss a lot, but very often you may become aware that you've missed one. You know, oh, (laughs) that one just went by and I was... But that's helpful. That that's that's already being more mindful, you know. And so, as you just have that intention and uh, keep with it, there are times you'll be aware of it after it's already over. Maybe sometimes you'll be aware in the middle. Sometimes maybe just as it's happening. But it's just having having the intention to include that. Okay. Maybe last question. Relax. Yeah. I have a suggestion for almost anything. <laughs> Whether they're helpful or not is another question. <laughs> And it really points to, I mean, after all these years of practice, you know, just watching my mind, it just, the contents of our minds are different, but the way the mind works is exactly the same in all of us. And so the more we are looking at our own minds, you know, we we just begin to understand, oh yeah, this is the nature of the mind and how it works. Anyway, with regard to your question, I'll I'll just give you an image. Suppose somebody said, okay, stand by the side of the road and watch all the cars that are going by. Just notice all the cars that are going by. And so at first you might be standing there and the cars are coming by. And pretty soon you have a headache. But then the thought occurs, oh, I don't have to be doing that. If I'm just relaxed and settled back and let the cars cross my field of vision, I will... I will 
automatically notice everyone effortlessly. It's like the cars are doing the work, and I'm just still, and they're passing by. So instead of that sense of trying to catch the thoughts, you know, or follow them, and they're more and more coming, and then you get, you know, restless and agitated. And this, this will take some practice, but the, what you want to practice is establishing a place of rest. And that's why I like that frame, there is a body, because it's just so simple. You know, we're just, it's that framework of being grounded. It's open enough so that we can be aware of whatever passes through it. You know, a sound, a thought, an image other sensations. So it's both open enough to be aware of whatever's arising, but also grounded enough so we're not getting agitated in the following of things. You know, and so I would use, it may be that sense, okay, there's a body, it may be something else that you use. You know, you have to find for yourself what works to provide that grounding. And then, then it's simply a question of coming back to that and reminding yourself everything is appearing by itself. It's almost if you have the, the sense, just as I said with the cars, let the cars do the work. You can have the sense, let the objects do the work. They're coming and going by themselves. You know, we don't have to do anything to make things happen. If we just have a place of stillness, kind of groundedness and openness, then whatever passes through, we'll, we'll be aware of it. As I say, this is a practice. It's not that you hear this, oh, you know, now it's going to be completely effortless from now on. But if you have the understanding of what it is that you're practicing, you know, that, might, that might be of some help. I don't know whether you're aware of uh, Trungpa Rinpoche. He was a, he was, you know, a well-known Tibetan teacher from some years ago. He used to end his uh, Dharma talks uh, with two words. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.